This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephan Cox. Believe it or not, the 2021 election season is upon us, with candidates declaring at the municipal and county level. We kick off our coverage with Chris Franco, who is running for King County Council in District 9, and he's got strong reasons for doing so. Chris is a public servant in every sense of the word, and he wants bold, proactive government solutions that meet this extraordinary moment. Chris joins us to talk about how his background as a combat veteran and now his work in leadership with King County on racial equity and COVID will directly inform his work on the council and will fuel the sort of key changes we need in our local representative government. That's ahead. So 2021 is what is known as an off-year election, meaning that here in Washington, instead of statewide and federal races, we will be seeing a number of municipal and county elections, many of which we will be covering here on the pod and also in the town hall series. And I could not be more excited to kick things off by talking about the King County Council race because my very dear friend, Chris Franco, has announced that he is running for a seat in District 9. This is an area that includes parts of Bellevue, Kent, Renton, Newcastle, Covington, Maple Valley, and Enumclaw. Tell you a little bit about Chris. He is an Army Ranger, a Ranger qualified combat veteran. He currently works for King County, serving on the Office of Equity and Social Justice's leadership team in the King County Executive's Office. He is a co founder of the Latinx Affinity Group and the Veterans and Military Affinity Groups. And he was selected to serve as the county's program manager for the Equity and Social Justice Executive Priority effort, and he previously served as deputy to the chief equity and inclusion officer. Chris has also worked extensively on the county's COVID response, specifically in assessment and quarantine, and he was on the COVID-19 policy team, all this, and he also serves as third vice chair with the King County Democrats. Chris is officially kicking off his campaign with a Zoom event this Thursday at 530. You can sign up at tinyurl.com slash Franco kickoff. I got that link in the show notes for you. But Chris, Franco, how are you, man? Doing good, brother. Appreciate you having me on the pod. Well, this is very exciting. It's, it's really great to, to to get to talk about this in, in a public way because it's something that I've known about for a little while. So I'm really ready to blast this out to the world. But I will just mention, as I'm going through your CV there, I neglected to mention that you are a husband and a, and a father to four, frankly, incredible children. And I'll just ask you, when do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Not often, late at night. We okay. make good use of the, the time after uh, everything kind of shuts down. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride, but awesome almost. <laughs> well, you have boundless energy, and I think we'll get into some of the reasons as to why uh, as we progress here. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the job itself for people who may not know. So King County, we know, is home to Seattle. It is huge. It is the 13th largest county in the nation. It is home to uh, uh, more residents than 15 states. So this is a very important job. Yeah. A lot of people involved. So for those who may not be familiar, what does a King County Council do and what does it oversee? Yeah, yeah. Appreciate the question. Um, briefly, I mean, the King County Council is the legislative body of, of King County. Uh, it adopts laws and creates policies that are to, are to benefit our residents in the county at large. Uh, and one of the big things is it's got the, the power of the purse, uh, ultimately passes the county's budget and, and really works closely with our executive branch and our separately electeds to make sure that, uh, you know, taxpayer money is being used well and that uh, all those laws and policies are being upheld. And again, in addition to that, uh, really working closely with and listening to our community members 
and our elected officials in other jurisdictions to uh, to address our most pressing issues within the county itself. Yeah, and there's a lot of oversight, too. I know that the, the King County criminal justice system is part of that, the sheriff's office, um, waste management, parks and trails, a lot of the things that we enjoy and take for granted. And actually, uh, for many people like me who live in unincorporated King County, the council is really my only local representation. And so that's another mm-hmm. important aspect of it as well. And I know that there are unincorporated parts of the ninth. Um, so here comes a big kind of unwieldy question. You can unpack this however you want. But what yeah. were some of the factors in your decision? to run for this seat? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's been building up over time, but it, honestly, the the magnitude of this moment in our community, like our country, this this is a significant moment uh, in, our, in our history and in all of our lives. And uh, this last year in particular has really laid bare and exacerbated the systemic issues and inequities uh, that have been present in our society. And there are a lot of people that are hurting right now and, and need help. And right now, I think more than ever, <laughs> we need leaders that are willing to fight tooth and nail uh, for our residents and, and for our future. And I mean, honestly, this this last year, like you had mentioned, being able to, to work on uh, some of our COVID response efforts as a county and the county's anti-racism and, uh, and pro-equity work has really illuminated um, the the role that government plays in, in that work and in safeguarding uh, and serving our residents and the opportunity before us right now and in this moment. Uh, right now, I think we're all seeing the need for a government that is by, of, and for the people. Uh, I mean, we need leaders at all levels to to really understand the everyday struggles of our residents. And uh, we need folks that have the courage to honestly and earnestly address our most pressing issues uh, and center people all along. I mean, <laughs> we have the people, we have the resources, and we have the ingenuity here in King County. To, to solve any of our problems. And, you know, regardless of how complex or challenging that they are. And honestly, as, as Martin Luther King County, uh, if we aren't leading the fight in, uh, in achieving racial justice and economic justice, then we're doing our residents a disservice uh, as well as our namesake. So this is, this is a time to, to step up, to step in and really fight for the change that we need to see and the government that I think we deserve. Uh, and now's the time. Uh, I'm not going to wait another handful of decades for awful things to transpire to, to really push our government to show up this. I mean, if, if not now, like when, when, right. <laughs> if not us, then who, I mean, this is, this is our time to really fight for better. As Barack Obama said, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. And, you know, you're talking about inequities, uh, social, economic, racial. Uh, I'm going to get into the work that you do uh, on King County because it's directly related to and drills into all of that. But I will just I want to talk about your military service a little bit because you're not the kind of person to tout his own accomplishments, which, in my opinion, makes you the ideal sort of person to be an office holder. Uh, You've been really in service in one form or another most of your adult life. As I mentioned, you're a combat veteran. You served in Afghanistan. You qualified as an Army Ranger, which I I put a pin in that because I definitely want you to to talk about that incredible experience. But maybe just, you know, kind of 
broad strokes, talk a little bit about your time in the military and how you see that informing your work on the council. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question and opportunity. Uh, I mean, I was fortunate to do eight years in the Army as an infantry officer uh, in that time, serving in key leadership positions as a, as a platoon leader, an executive officer, and a company commander. And uh, I think that time was instrumental in developing me as a, as a leader and as a person and really having uh, some solid a- examples of really great leadership and some truly toxic and awful leadership and the impact that leaders have on organizations and people. Uh, I think one of the things that I, I'm drawn to in my time of service and kind of look back to is this uh, mentality of uh, mission first and people always. And the the leaders that I really respect and look to and, and try and model were those that really leaned into that, particularly uh, when there was a convergence of, of the people being that mission. I think here in running for King County Council, uh, I'm wanting to take that into this space. Uh, I, I mean, my mission here is to serve and safeguard the people that work, live, and play here in King County. And this this is a time for servant leadership. Uh, I mean, one of the things that um, I tried to lean into in my time of service is, you know, if you are put into a leadership position and that, you know, given that honor of serving uh, or leading an organization, you are there, you are there to serve and safeguard those within your team. And that team is everything. Uh, I, I really think one of the benefits to, to military services is learning that, uh, that importance of teamwork uh, and something I feel is, is so needed and is such an opportunity here in our region uh, is, you know, how do we come together as a team? How do we come together as, as residents, uh, as government institutions and businesses to, to really look at what is uh, most pressing, what is most challenging and, and where, where the needs are, are greatest and, and how we work together to, to solve the problems that we all want to have solved. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that continues to shape me and, um, I lean into particularly when times get tough, uh, looking back at, at some of the experiences, uh, particularly in Afghanistan, uh, and how, how to show up better as a leader, uh, here in public service. Well, I mean, you talk about, you know, mission first people always, and that gives you such a, a clear people, such a clear idea of, I think, where you are situated as a leader. Um, you are somebody who will put others needs in front of your own, which, again, is not something that we often see in our elected officials. And so all the more reason to uh, to, to promote uh, your your particular campaign here. Um, I do want you to talk just briefly about your experience as a ranger. You've told me about it before in detail. I will just tell people it is grueling. It's extraordinary. It is. It will test you in every single possible way. But I think it speaks to your personal character, and obviously it's a major accomplishment. So I would love for people to hear a little bit about what the ranger qualification process is like. Yeah, yeah. In order to become ranger qualified, you got to go to the U.S. Army Ranger School, uh, which is a just over two months uh, intense course, one of the more challenging courses in, in the military. Uh, it's defined as a, as a leadership course, uh, but I think it's also true that it's, it's there to really test yourself and learn about yourself in so many ways. Um, you are leading people uh, through some really tough circumstances and, and training exercises with very little food and sleep while carrying stupid amounts of weight for uh, long distances over time. I think I got like 
five hours of sleep in in the ten hour period or ten day period rather during mountain phase. It was, it was stupid, uh, but it's it's challenging. It really it really teaches you a lot about yourself, your limits, and the need to just keep moving forward, uh, and the importance of teamwork. And you know, we we couldn't achieve anything that we did or to pass that course without the support of one another. Um, and it's it's one of those courses where. I think it's like 20% of the folks that, that eventually uh, graduate are, are able to go straight through. Um, and most folks have to spend some additional time recycling some of the phases, but uh, it's got like a washout rate of 50%. But it's, it's just, it's a, it's a crucible uh, that teaches you a lot about yourself and the importance of uh, leaning on each other when, when times are tough. And when times have gotten tough, uh, whether it was in Afghanistan or, or even now, uh, being able to look back into that experience and just push myself and know that, you know, one foot in front of the other to keep marching forward, it may be tough, um, but we have to endure and keep moving forward and do so together. And I think that's that's something I'm feeling deeply right now in this moment here in our community and in our country uh, that we're, we're really needing to uh, to do and lean into. I couldn't agree more, and I think it also gives me a little bit more insight into how you were able to go without sleep. I think you were <laughs> you were trained to do it. So, um, so fast forward to now. Uh, so, as I said in the intro, you do a great deal of work uh, for King County on racial equity. And I will just front end this question by saying we know that racial equity issues touch on everything, every aspect. Yeah. I think in 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 civic life is touched in some way by uh, by racial equity issues. So in many ways, I, I think of you and the work that you're doing is very much at the forefront of us, you know, just kind of pushing forward in a lot of the ways that you're talking about here. But maybe just talk a little bit about uh, the work that you're doing here and how you would incorporate racial equity issues into your service on, on county council. Yeah, yeah. So right now, I'm fortunate to be part of a team that's really looking at racism as a public health crisis and uh, how we make investments uh, internally in King County in particular to, to show up fundamentally different, uh, to really lean into uh, our values, our declarations, and to honestly look at the systemic issues that uh, are before us and that we need to address in partnership with our community, with our employees, our institutions and businesses. And uh <sighs> This is something that it needs to be baked into everything that is done within the King County Council. And that's something that I would I would put in the forefront is, you know, the importance of, of taking a look at how our policies and laws impact our people and the disproportionate impact that uh, our, our laws and institutions have had on our marginalized communities and to, to eradicate that and, and to do so in partnership with one another to really good uh, visibility through transparency of what those impacts are. And then I think one of the huge roles that King County Council has to play in all this uh, is in the power of the purse. Um, I mean, when we are talking about implementing sound laws and policies and working with the executive branch to really execute them and ensure that our residents are getting the support that they need and are paying for, uh, we need to make sure that we're honestly investing in where the needs are greatest. Uh, we need to have those honest discussions uh, collectively as a, as a council, as a government, as a community, and, and ensuring that the investments that we're making in our community and our government uh, 
um, are, are where, they, where they really need to be and that we're being very intentional about uh, what we're doing and the impacts that uh, we have on our, our community and to build in that flexibility, to have that feedback and adjust as needed because we are imperfect. And this is this is hard work and we become more aware of, of what we're doing, but we need to be intentional and we need to ensure that we are aware of uh, of the, the harm that, we, you know, that's that's been caused and uh, hopefully the, the harm that we can prevent from happening down the road. And I know that because you work for King County, you are in a unique position to kind of get a 30,000 foot view of a, a lot of these issues uh, and in, in particular how they play out uh, with the council itself. And I, I have some more specific questions about that in just a second. But uh, I also want to talk about your work on COVID. As we know, King County was one of the very first places to get hit with COVID in the United States. Talk a little yeah. bit about what your role has been in the response to that. Yeah, it's to be honest, it's been all over the place. I was over uh, in D.C. for the uh, Truman National Security Project orientation when we unfortunately had uh, the first known U.S. COVID death at the time here in King County. And uh, shortly after returning there, I was fortunate to get pulled into the county's uh, COVID-19 policy team. We were really looking at now, how the heck do we as this large organization, like 15,000 employees with so many vital services to our community, safely work in, in, in a pandemic, in a global pandemic. And what, what are we doing to communicate, um, you know, how we change operations so that we can continue to serve our residents while keeping our employees safe? And how do we make those services more accessible with the limitations in place uh, to keep, you know, the larger community safer? Uh, as we as we fight through this, so it was uh, an interesting experience to really work through that with uh, some of our senior leaders and and community organizations to you know to get that as right as possible as as this was ramping up here at home and when we were the epicenter in the country, um, and then once we once we really got to that stay home stay healthy uh, order. Um, transition to help the county with our assessment recovery centers and our isolation and quarantine sites by providing logistical support and kind of leaning into some of that military experience, particularly uh, uh, when I was an executive officer in, in Afghanistan and having to figure out all the, you know, how do we get all the things we need to operate, to keep folks safe and uh, to ensure that, um, you know, we're, we're caring for our community members as, as folks are looking for a place to safely isolate themselves from their loved ones and others uh, to help stop the spread. So it was um, kind of a, a roller coaster of, of things, but really going to where the help was needed uh, and then kind of peeled away from the COVID-19 um, help and, and work uh, to really dive more deeply into the equity work uh, as of late. Yeah. Well, I just circling back on the, the COVID uh, response. I mean, I think what your team did was extraordinary uh, on a couple of fronts. First of which is we were getting virtually no guidance from uh, the federal government at all. And so our <laughs> and, and so so King County really had to to be the vanguard. And I think a lot of eyes were on you uh, in terms of how you were going to do this. And I can't I, I can only imagine that the process of that must have been like building an airplane in midair. Right. That you're just kind of going along and be like, OK, I, you know, this is all incredibly new and, and terrifying uh, territory. But, you know, you mentioned that you work with a lot of senior leaders and community organizations in that process. You've developed a ton of these relationships uh, in your work with the county. I'm wondering if you can 
kind of talk about you know, roughly the importance of these relationships and how that would come to bear on your work on the council? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, so much of the work that is before us uh, must lean heavily on the relationships that we built and the trust that comes with them. And um, while we're in this place of, of multiple crises, while we are in a high stress environment, we're all worn down. We are all worn down by what has been going on, uh, particularly over this last year. And I, I mean, I find myself to be in a very unique situation to to know a lot of the folks that are making these decisions and, and putting their best uh, foot forward for our community and to have done you know, a lot of this tough work building the plane in flight. It, so many eyes are on us and there's so much to, to do. Um, like I, I'm going to continue to lean into that and, and to lean into those relationships and uh, that, you know, I've been fortunate to build uh, with King County over the last almost five and a half years and, and through this work in particular uh, because that's going to be vital to us really showing up for our residents and to do so effectively and to do so with all the right things in mind and um, not having to, you know, start from ground zero of, of building, you know, this, this trust and in this relationships with the, uh, the key players in the, in the county that are really responsible for rising to this occasion for our community right now. Yeah, I mean, you you have these uh, these relationships through your time with the county, and I'm I'm <laughs> I, I'm brought to mind of uh, of what Washington says to to Hamilton in in the musical history as its eyes on you. He says, and I think we all feel that. You know, I, I will. Uh, you've touched on this already a little bit, but just kind of looking at where we are right now with current representation on the District Nine Council seat, where do you feel that leadership is coming up short? Oof, yeah. I think right now, more than ever, we need representation that is pouring themselves completely into our community, into our residents, and addressing these these issues uh, before us. And honestly, I have not seen that. Um, I appreciate Councilmember Dunn's um, service to our community over these last you know, almost 16 years. Uh, but frankly, you know, he hasn't done enough. And right now, as we look to the future, and it was so many things to address together as a community, it was that the urgency that we need behind addressing these issues. Uh, we need leaders throughout the county, throughout our region, that, that give a damn, that are really willing to fight hard and courageously and honestly for what our residents need. And it, I mean, this is not a time to uh, to do just enough. This is a time to really show up and to serve and to fight for what it is that we need and have needed for decades, for centuries in many cases, uh, and to do that here at home. And uh, I just haven't seen any indication that that's the kind of leadership that we're going to have uh, if we continue during, you know, down the, the current path. Like this is this is a time for a different kind of leader and leadership in our in our county and in our country. Like this is the time for that government by of and for the people and to have somebody in office that really understands uh, the struggles that a lot of folks are going through right now and, and to do something about it. 
And you're talking uh, about how, uh, you know, you want the council to shift from a mode of being reactive into being proactive. I wonder if you could just drill down on that a little bit and give some examples maybe and, and how you would like to move the council into a more proactive role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we just, whether it's because of resources or whatever, we find ourselves constantly in this reactionary mode where we're having to scramble for resources and people to address an issue. And yet we have the opportunity before us to really address systemic issues and the root causes of the issues that are allowing things to get out of hand where we're going to have to react and put together a task force and figure a thing out. Like, sure, that may, that may need to happen periodically because things happen. Uh, but we need to get to a place where we are working in partnership with our community members, our organizations, our other government institutions, businesses, and saying, like, what, what can we collectively do to address this, grow, you know, the growing inequities, the, the economic hardship that folks are facing, the, the lack of health care, the food insecurity, you know, home insecurity. Like, how, how are we working together to solve those when we have a community that invests in each other and in itself, we all win. And we need to be looking at those long-term solutions in addition to the things that we need to do now to take care of people and safeguard folks and make sure that we can keep everybody on their feet so that we can work together to be a community where we can genuinely all thrive. And that's it's going to take some visionary work. That's going to take a lot of uh, partnership and collaboration and, and really working through some complex and challenging problems together. But we've got to be looking beyond the now. We've got to be looking at how we set something up better for the generations that follow us. I mean, I'm a father of four, and I don't want to pass off the same problems that we're dealing with now to them for them to solve. Cause by then it's just going to be worse. I mean, we've been handed many things that we could have solved you know, years ago. And I'm just, I'm frankly, I'm done with it. I, I'm done with that rolling on to future generations and it's time for us to put in that work so that we can all live better lives and ensure that we're handing off something better uh, to the future generations of you know, our loved ones and everyone else. You know, as I uh, alluded to before, you are somebody who puts others' needs in front of himself, and it really touches on a, a discussion that you and I are having recently about the role of empathy in our politics. And I think particularly because of what we've been through over the last four years, we need empathetic, passionate public servants uh, with the emphasis on servant uh, in office and, and not not politicians, not people who are careerist, but rather people who are in it with a sense of mission. Um, I wonder if you could just kind of take the ball and run with it a little bit uh, based on the conversations that we've had around that. Yeah, yeah. Golly, yeah. These last four years in particular have, have really highlighted the dangers of self-serving leadership. And I mean, it blows my mind that like we allow greed and corruption and self-service to be synonymous with our politics. Why? Like the time is now to shift to getting folks in office that are genuinely public servants that care, that care about the people that they're there to serve, that are going to fight as hard as they can to do something about the challenges that we're facing and to do that with our, our community. Like this is, this is not 
a position to climb a ladder, to keep warm and draw a paycheck uh, because it looks good. Uh, this enough of that. Like, why? Why do we allow that to happen? It's it's. We need more than ever people that are going to step into these positions and do something with them for the people that have put them there, and it's it's got to be that fundamental shift in our politics, you know, from politics to public service, if you will. Uh, and we need to see that everywhere. We, we cannot afford to have people who aren't moving on things, who aren't listening, who aren't uh, collaborating with us and in putting our best interests at heart, period. Like that's the job. <laughs> That is the job. That is the, you know, buy oven for the people. And until we get into that place, like we are going to continue to find ourselves frustrated uh, and disappointed with the kind of leadership that we have and the lack of results that we're seeing uh, with the things that we're facing. And uh, frankly, I'm done with that. It's it's time to uh, to jump into that space and be the, the empathetic um uh, you know, dedicated and passionate leader that I think our our county and community deserves and to help get other folks that fit that, uh, you know, that mindset into other places office because we, <laughs> if we can work together like that, I mean, we can accomplish anything. Make it a movement. Absolutely right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, and I will just tell the people that, again, Chris is kicking off his campaign with an event on Zoom this Thursday at 5.30. You can sign up at tinyurl.com slash Franco Kickoff. It's capital F, capital K. Uh, also, you can head over to francoforkingcounty.com for more information. And, of course, I'll have all that in the show notes for everybody. Chris, it is awesome to talk to you. Um, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that you're, you're jumping into this, and uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited for for you and, and wishing you all the best. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you having me here and looking forward to the fight ahead. And that is it for this week's show. You can find links to everything we talked about at indivisiblepodcast.org. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And the Twitter handle is at indivisiblepod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.